Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Fox Telesis, the show that puts you, the listener, in the driver's seat because you are the content. The phone lines are open to be a part of the program. It's a free call, 1-855-450-NOAA. That's 1-855-450-6624. Give me a call and we'll have a conversation about your tech questions or business and tech questions. Linux Advocate, above all else, small business owner, now host of the only radio show centered around you, the listener. Welcome to the Ask Noah Show. My name is Noah July. So good evening to you all. Happy to be here. We are live from Vox Telesis in Fargo, North Dakota. If you guys might remember, Vox Telesis is the company that was kind enough to donate our broadcast call-in system. So if you guys are one of the people that were saying to yourself, you know, I really wish the quality of the Ask Noah Show would improve uh, as it relates to phone calls, these are the guys that, that did it. And, you know, what's interesting, every time I'm here is I'm always impressed by the amount of Linux machines that I that I run into and the, and the cool tech that is here. And uh, George Joining me on the program is one of the owners of Oxtel Assist. It's Mr. Mike Jennings. Welcome to the program, Mike. Thank you, Noah. How are you doing? Excellent. Hey, I'm really happy that uh, that you were able to do this and do it live. I know that we've gotten a lot of questions and a lot of interest in the community from people that are they're interested in getting rid of Google. They're interested in getting off of Google Voice. They're, some of them are interested in, in running a business with their own phone system, and uh, and that's if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to set up a phone system, then you need a company to actually tie you in to the rest of the, the, the world's phone system, as it were. And that's what you guys do here. Absolutely. We do it every day. Fantastic. All right. Well, the phone lines are open. one 450 6624 That's 855-450-NOAH or live at Hey, By the way, guys, uh, last week we gave you a short, very brief cursory introduction into Bitcoin, and uh, we're going to continue that discussion uh, as not necessarily this particular episode, but as the Ask Noah Show in general continues. Bitcoin opening at, at the start of this hour as the Ask Noah Show goes live. Bitcoin is at $6,092.90. That's taken from from Coinbase.com. Coinbase is my chosen place to purchase uh, Bitcoin because uh, it's just super easy. Uh, so again, 855-450-NOAH. That's 855-450-6624. Give me a call, particularly tonight, if you're interested in rolling your own phone system or questions about SIP phones, uh, phone systems in general. We got the expert here to, to answer those for you. All right, so Mike, so I want to get into this a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit about why is it that VoIP systems are better than traditional phone line systems? Like, why wouldn't I just go to a regular uh, phone company and just sign up for, for an analog phone line and, and plug a jack in and do it the way we've done it for the last 50 years? Um, well, you're, you're stuck with their solution. You're stuck with what they can offer you. Um, these days, when you install a phone system, you get a lot more opportunity to do things like uh, integrated APIs where you can, instead of having to have that call answered by a live person right away, you can have it answered by an IVR that takes in information and then populates that to your CRM of choice or an API that you know populates customer information or allow them to do a lot of stuff on their own. So that's where these, these uh, integrated phone systems with AT&T, etc., they're not going to give you that opportunity, or if they do, it's going to be such a high barrier of entry for cost, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it. 
So there's there's a lot more options. And would you say that, because I know a lot of people, anytime uh, I go into a business and I start talking about doing anything over IP, and that could be phones, uh, that, that could even be like managing their network. You talk about even doing that over the internet, over the internet and they start getting concerned. Is there a reason in 2017 that we should be worried about putting our businesses on, you know, in, in their phone systems, critical systems on the internet? No, I, 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 there's no reason. I mean, the whole back end of every carrier is already IP. I mean, no one's no one's running OC 192s across the country and using you know you know that kind of technology anymore. It's all been converted over to IP. AT and T made that move ten years ago. Mm-hmm. So when it really comes down to it, if you have a POTS line or a Plano telephone system line, it, it's going to be at some point converted to IP. Now the question comes down is if you're going to be running IP. Do you have enough? Do you have a stable enough solution in your office to support it? Mm. And there's always that concern. Is the network up to it? Yeah. Did you buy a ADSL that can't support mm. voice, or do you have a one meg up and down, and you are trying to run ten megs across it? You're going to have problems. But most of the time, those things can be can be engineered out. And yeah, it's in, it's interesting. Is this you know? And obviously, Altispeed Technologies has dealt with this a ton. But you know, we'll go into a place, and maybe they have a great connection. Maybe they even have a hundred meg down and, and fifty meg up. And um, Josie is on the phone, and she doesn't realize that Bob in his office decided he wanted to torrent something, and now all of a sudden Josie's phone phone just stopped working. She can't figure out why, um, and that that's because of misconfiguration of the network. And so, obviously, if you're going to put stuff over IP, you have to make sure that the thing that handles IP, that is your network, that that is properly configured and working. Yes, most of the time when you have infrastructure that comes out, it's a um, you run into a place where they have a, a inexpensive unmanaged switch and an inexpensive firewall they picked up at Best Buy, and they want you to put their phone system across it. You're going to run into problems, and it may work great for one or two users, mm-hmm. and that's why Vonage and all these other companies get away with it. Is that they're not expecting you to have any major infrastructure, but as a business, as a as a company, if you're trying to do a five, 10 users, you have to invest in the infrastructure and make sure you can do stuff like quality service tagging and diff serve mm-hmm. and all these other things and have a firewall. Um, I mean, even, even today, if it, you know, most people will, will go out and buy a firewall and say, yeah, I got a Cisco or I got a Sonic wall or I got mm-hmm. this. But when you go and you actually do the reading on it, you find out that people are having tons of problems with IP, voice over IP across it, because the implementation of that firewall was never meant to do VoIP. They've just right. kept upgrading the code over years, and they never really took that into account. And so, you know, when you really need to sit down with an expert and say, what do I need to make this work? Mm-hmm. I have 10 users. I have um, I have two megs of bandwidth. Can I do this? And And... Most uh, we will tell you the truth. We'll tell mm-hmm. you, no, no, <laughs> this would probably be bad in the long run. We weren't. We're not going to let you get into something over your head. But mm-hmm. we can always engineer around it. We can offer open source solutions. You know, we're constantly offering solutions that run in Linux or mm-hmm. are open source in Linux right. or, or it, heaven forbid, FreeBSD. And <laughs> so <laughs> that's this, a dirty word on the show. <laughs> sorry, I, I don't want to don't want to cause a problem. No, no, <laughs> no. But I, I mean, there's there's so many great companies out there that support open source software and support Linux and BSD based softwares that can accomplish this goal for a fraction of what it would be to go to a major vendor. And that's I mean, our entire network minus one component we built in the beginning is all Linux, mm-hmm. and that one component is being phased out. It's just 
takes time to and read if it. I remember right, it's it, that that one component is virtualized anyway. It's oh, it's all virtualized. Yeah. So you know, and it, what's it, what's you know, and that was that was it really spoke volumes to me. The first time I came here to your to your you know fantastic facilities here, we you know we we toured here in the office and we went over to the data center and spent some time over there. But uh, one thing that was interesting was for the one of the first times that I've ever walked into a business and you had more Linux than I would have been able to talk you into had you brought me in as a consultant, right? It's a, it's kind of interesting. Like you sit down, you're like, well, here's our computer where we do our demonstration. I'm like that's Ubuntu Mate. You're like, yeah. And I'm like, and you're running KDE Neon. You're like, yeah. And I'm like, man, this is this is crazy. And then, yeah, you know, uh, you know, to the wall with uh, Linux servers and, and Linux virtualization and stuff like that. But uh, you, you brought up something, an interesting point. You talked about how you're able to accomplish this with open source solutions. Now, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to say, okay, you've successfully convinced me that the future of the telephone industry is VoIP. Why wouldn't I just go buy a $2,000 or $4,000, how much it costs, a Cisco system or a VIA system and just drop that in? What's the advantage of using something like open standards? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so w- when you go buy a closed source hardware solution, you're really buying um, – somebody else's vision of what your phone system is going to be mm. straight off the bat. It's going to be, you're going to buy this switch. You're going to buy this firewall. You're going to buy this piece of gear. And if you don't do that any step along the way, um, and, and I, I've managed large Avaya systems for, you know, 5,000 plus employees mm-hmm. ac- across the entire globe. Sure. And if you don't do it exactly how they say to do it, they're still not going to support you at that point. And the problem that comes down to is that you can never give a vendor exactly what they want on a large scale. But on the small scale, it's a lot of money because you're not just buying this PBX or mm-hmm. this, this small phone system. You're also buying this recommended or required switch or this recommended or required firewall. And then you have to buy the support and the infrastructure all on top of that. If you're doing open source, you can if, if you've taken the time and done the research, most of the time it just works out of the box, um, especially if you do the best practices. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those best practices aren't found on free PBX's website per se, Mm -hmm. but they'll be found on a forum that's associated with it or on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And you'll see a guy say, Hey, you know, if you went out and bought, you know, this switch, this is what I've done. I bought this switch. It handles this. I bought this. I, I used PF sense as a firewall and I used it on their hardware because on NetGate's hardware, because it, it was sized properly and was less expensive than me go out and buying my own hardware. Mm -hmm. And I ran it within a a Zen cloud using seven one because that's what it required. And you do mm-hmm. all the things it requires mm-hmm. in open source, every step along the way, every single one of those products was an open source software and may have a commercial partner like NetGate or Sangoma or sure. whoever is associated with it, but they've provided you a free solution to get in the door, get your phone set up, get your infrastructure set up. And now with WebRTC, you have all these open source mm-hmm. web clients that you can use or, um, or or SIP clients that you can install. Um, unfortunately, the they get less to be desired on certain sure. OSs, but mm-hmm. you can get it stable. And we've we've seen companies that run five six hundred users off of an open source, a complete open source platform, mm-hmm. and and they built. And then we go in as a as a vendor. We have a whole development team. Mm-hmm. So let's say you want to do something specific, where you know you want to record calls based on. You know, I don't want to record the, the credit card, so will you guys record it in the cloud so we don't have to buy the storage solution for right. it? Right. All right. Well, we can work that out. Well, and we've even talked about, even for this show right now, we've talked about, um, you know, working together to, to come up with a system where when the calls come in, they just go into a queue, into a web-based queue, and those guys are, are, are sitting there. And then the call system back at the studio maybe connects into that system, and then there's just a WebRTC link that, you know, yep. that, clo- that, that connects those together. And that, that's the kind of stuff that, that you guys are able to do. 
you know, it's 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 interesting because as you know, as you're talking about this, and you talk about how the barrier to entry is so low, and that helped. I know that was a big thing for me early on. I remember when we first started. When I first started Alta Speed Technologies, 2009, uh, I, I filed taxes at the end of the year. I paid the government $200 to tell them that I didn't make any money. Um, and at the time, you know, that was a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money. I had a hard time writing a $200 check. I was like sweating bullets, you know. And you know, these days, you know, it's it's not so much of a deal. But uh, when the next, the following year, we, you know, we got, I registered a phone number and one of the things I was like, well, what am I going to do for a phone system? And at the time, I think they're still around. There's a service called Grasshopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ba- have you heard of them? Yeah. So, so, and basically for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically just you call, you sign up and you pay, a, it's actually really expensive in hindsight. It was 20 bucks a month. Uh, and, and for that, all they do, they don't actually provide you a phone service. They just, for, it's basically a, a paid version of Google Voice. They just forward to uh, whatever phone number you want, um, but that was all I knew at the time, and it was there was an ad on the radio or something, so I signed up. And I remember just like six or seven months in, I'm like, man, I am spending like twenty dollars a month, almost two hundred dollars a year. I'm not taking that much money in right now, uh, not even close to two hundred dollars, uh, you know, a year. Uh, you know, at, at that point, and I'm like, so how am I how am I going to square this? Because I'm I'm going the wrong direction as a business owner. And I attended a conference, and they were talking about asterisks. And so for anyone that doesn't know, asterisks is basically the underpinning of Every VoIP, most major VoIP systems. Most most of the PBXs out there are based on asterisks. There are a couple that are based on free switch, but most of them are are based on asterisks. And it's a great solution. So, and what was great was they had this. uh, They had an ISO asterisk now, which was basically like uh, you know an appliance thing. Appliance I could just wipe the machine away and and install it. And and I remember I got it up and running, and I I had it up on a on a on a repurposed machine, and I just forwarded some ports on my router, and I was like, okay. Well, my phone bill just went from $20 down to practically nothing. But the problem was, uh, is I didn't have a way to talk out to the rest of the world. So if I needed a 1-800 number, I needed to port that number somewhere, and then I needed those calls to come into the system. And that's primarily, you know, and you build all of these outside solutions, and obviously you do a lot of the hosting stuff, and you're willing to work with these clients to come up with creative solutions. But at the end of the day, one of the main services that you provide is you provide that service going out. That's correct. We do outbound Termination globally, we do inbound, um, we do toll-free DIDs, um, we do all your porting for us. In fact, that's 90% of our work is moving phone numbers to us. So when you really, when it really comes down to it, that's, as a telecom, most of our work. But as far as delivering SIP calls out to the world, you know, it, it's, a, it's a simple, simple concept. Mm-hmm. But in, in all practice, you know, we work with you to get that call to go from your Asterix Now PBX mm-hmm. through the firewall over the public internet to us so that we can deliver it to the to the the last mile. Mm. And that whole process is what we specialize in. And it's funny you mention Asterix now because when when you talk to people that call up, it's like, I've been working on this project for two weeks. I can't get it to, to go smoothly. You know, what's going on? I have Asterix mm. now. Oh, okay, well, okay, you have Asterix now. I want you to log in to... I want you to install NCREP or TCP dump, mm-hmm. and I want you to grab – and you walk someone through the, tra- the trace process, mm-hmm. and you take the mystery and the magicalness out of what a SIP call is. And all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm blocking that UDP port in my firewall. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like – or, oh, my firewall. It's actually – it's not keeping that 50, 60 static. It's actually translating it to 15,400. Mm-hmm. Why is it doing that? Well, you have a sonic wall. You need to turn on persistent NAT and all this other stuff. And you go through these whole this whole conversation with sure. someone like – Oh, we get it. And then, you know, those are the kind of conversations with Asterix. I mean, it's Asterix now is great, but the fact that you could log in and install a tool that's open source 
to actually debug your problems. And in some cases, it actually comes standard with the OS, like TCP dump. You can run that 24-7, record everything that's going across the server, and then look at it the next day. And there's things like now that are out that are on most like Ubuntu 16.04 and later and uh, later versions of CentOS. You can install SNGrep. Mm-hmm. SNGrep lets you, lets you look at the call in real time as it's going through with RTP and everything. It tells you where all the problems are. It identifies what the problems are before you even before you even have to figure it out. You just install SNGrep. You do SNGrep-D, your Ethernet, enter. And just sit there huh. and watch the SIP calls go through. Wow. And you get to sit there and trace. And if, it, and if your media is there, you can hit F3, and all of a sudden all your RTP flow shows up. And the best thing about it is if I'm talking to you and you're using SMGREP, I'm using SMGREP on my side, I can say, hey, you know what? Grab that call and send it to me. I can then combine those two calls in SMGREP, and I can see what's happening on your side of the fall, firewall compared to my side of the firewall, and we can identify problems in seconds. Wow, that's fantastic. And that and obviously that works with as as an addition to Asterix. Yeah, it's Asterix runs on on Linux. So mm-hmm. as long as you have access to your as long as you can get to a root or a, a, a an SU2 user on mm-hmm. Linux, guess what? You have access to the entire plethora of networking tools that Ubuntu that Linux has to offer which are immense. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about those tools is that the, those tools are the tools you wish you had. When I was I, I I was Cisco certified up until those all expired a long time ago, mm-hmm. but I wish I had those tools. Oh, I yeah. Oh, I for sure. If I would have had TCP dump right at the command line on a Cisco box oh, and I right. could pulled that, oh, my gosh, I would have. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're, you know, you're onto something because what, what, what that really back in, the, back in the day, what that translated to was setting up a management port, mirroring that, and then doing packet capture. Yeah. To, and, and I have to this day, I still have it because it just, it just because it's the way I was trained 15 years ago, it just I still do it but this way. But I've got these, this little Netgear 4 port hub. Yeah, you know, a little blue one, and and it's my troubleshooting hub. And what's funny is actually, so I went actually. We we're going to pick up a second one for one of the guys that started. And he goes, you know, I really like the fact that you just got the little hardware solution rather than doing a management port. You just plug in, then you can tap the the line and and and, and run Wireshark on it. And we went to look. They're actually like super expensive now. They're like three four hundred dollars. They probably don't make them anymore. They don't. <laughs> that's that's what it amounts to. And so, uh, but it and that's what I was doing back in the day. And now, obviously, yeah, we could you just set up a management port. Run TCB dump and you're done, or just plug right into the box. And we, I've done that. I've used TCB dump. If you have a, uh, like a, you buy a secondhand, uh, you know, whatever access point, something shows up in the mail and it's like I don't know how to log into the thing. I don't even know what the IP is set for. Yeah. You know, it used to be well, you have to find the reset procedure and then do some magical voodoo on the machine to, to get it to reset. Now plug it in TCB dump. Oh, that's the IP address. Assign myself to the subnet and I'm and I'm off to the races. You know, it's fantastic. Uh, again, phone lines 855-450-NOAA, 855-450-6624, live at asknoahshow.com. Um, so interesting, I... Uh, you were so you're, we're talking about you know phones and open standards and this that and the other. Asterix being one of the main systems that is is there is a real underpinning is the real workhorse underneath a lot of these phone systems. But I know that you have been working a lot with three uh, CX, and is that an alternative to Asterix or it's just a different th- a competitor to FreePBX sitting on top of Asterix? Well, three CX is one of those systems that um, for the longest time I. I've known about it for a very long time, mm-hmm. and it's it's a wonderful. I mean, just there. If you want a really polished commercial solution, 3CX was the way to go. But for the longest time, it only ran in Windows, mm-hmm. and it was like I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It was a very painful thing to cross over. But they offered it. They offer it now in Debian, mm-hmm. and it installs in about two seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's very simple to do. It it's very easy to work with. In fact, we're um, 
we're setting up a hosting environment for it so that we can just fire them up and host it in our cloud yeah. and make it quick to get people to, to, to business on it. But it's it, it's one of those interfaces. They have a, a SIP client for your phone. They have a SIP client for your for your tablet. They have one for Windows desktop. You can use something else because it doesn't run on Linux yet, and I'm hoping they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 3CX client's great. They have a web meeting that's absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's WebRTC, and it's gorgeous. Um they have all these solutions in 3CX that, that they've really put the polish on. And it, it's it's free for eight ports. So And it's eight simultaneous calls. And I think – and I'm not sure on the, the conferencing. And I don't want to stay out, out of line because I think they changed yeah, some yeah, of that. Sure. But the, you get a certain number of conferencing ports, and then you get eight simultaneous SIP calls. Now, the, the best thing about that is that if you think about it, you have an office of 25 people. If you're not a call center, you probably never get over five yeah. or six calls. Right. And – the great thing about that is that if everyone has an iPhone, they just download the 3CX client, put their phone on Wi-Fi, and now they have their extension with it at the office. You don't even have to buy a phone. Right. Yes. So you've just simplified your entire world. And as long as you have Wi-Fi – and it, it works over 4G mm-hmm. because you can actually set it up to say, okay, well, I want you to use G729 as a codec. And then if you if you have that set up in your system, you mm-hmm. can actually translate from G7 line to ULaw or whatever you want for, sure. for audio codecs. But it gives you the ability to run 4G outside your office. So – um, as far as the solution goes, we ha- we've actually set some people up on 3CX um, recently, and they're extremely happy with it because it gives them a feature set that in the past you could only get with like a Shortel or an Avaya or a Cisco. Mm-hmm. Now they have this full feature set, and they didn't pay anything to get in the door. Mm-hmm. They're, all they're paying for is their telecom. And in some cases, you know, for us, we just signed up a client with eight ports. It's a dollar per port, a penny per minute, mm-hmm. and a penny per minute on the inbound. So you don't even pay for that, that fixed $19 a month for the line. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost nothing to have that. If you don't have a lot of telecom, your bill's 15, 20 bucks a month. Now this is the hosted solution that you're doing. This is, about? this is at your prem. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. The hosted solution, we do have a fee for hosted. Um, I would, so, I'm, well, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. So this is, this is Vox Telsus pricing for, for the to, telco, pro- to provide a trunk for the, the SIP calls. Cause we, gotcha. we just charge by the, we just charge by the port and minute. So it's a, it's a dollar per port. If you have eight ports, it's eight bucks a month. Yeah, okay. If you don't use any minutes, and if you have inbound and outbound DIDs, it, you know you're talking a penny per minute. That's yeah. You're never going to see a fifty dollar phone bill if you're just a small office. That's, yes. that's not doing a ton of traffic. Toll frees have their own prices, and they're all priced out differently based on right those things. But when it when it comes down to it, if you were paying nineteen bucks a month for a Vonage line mm-hmm. or Ring Central or whatever, yeah, you have to make that. Oh my gosh, I could actually. Install 3CX and install SIP, and I might be able to re- reduce my 25 lines down to 100 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, depending on your usage. And I get web conferencing, and I get all the same features. I still can integrate with my CRMs because that's 3CX has a whole CRM integration page. Mm-hmm. We even develop for so we're actually we're actually developing inside of 3CX. If you go with a pro model, you can actually build applications into 3CX to do what you need to do. Wow, and that, that's something that you guys are doing. And, and that's what we're doing. And we do that for Asterix, and we do that for other solutions as well. Sure. But in 3CX, it, it, it's one of those Paul solutions that, oh, I can pay to have these guys come in and write a special code set mm-hmm. for me, um, you know, integrate you know, SMS or integrate certain feature sets into your 3CX to do you know, 
agent-to-agent communications over a toll-free SMS. Sure. Those are the kind of solutions that now you're taking it from a unified communications or from a phone system to unified communications. And they have a messaging. They have a chat window. They have a beautiful HUD. So if you do have a call center, you have 25 people. You see a whole HUD. Who's on the phone? Who's yes. taking calls? You queues. Yeah, uh, they have. If you, yeah, yeah. And if you guys haven't seen this, you should really check them out on online. They have a great screenshot of that. What you're talking about that that uh, that that dashboard like thing. Um, again, eight five five four five zero no eight five five four five zero six six two four. Question from the chat room. JB Live uh, eight one three six two asks, "What's the difference between asterisk now versus free PBX?" Um, they all have the same starting point. It's just a different web interface. Uh, and in fact, I don't know if there's much difference between where they start. I mean, they're, they're basically a fork of the same project. So um, they both were great, by the way. They're, mm-hmm. they're excellent solutions. I know people that run their entire call centers. And we're talking 250 agents off of an Asterix Now uh, um, and, uh, and free PBX. They actually went to Asterix Now because that's Digium's commercial product. Mm-hmm. So they went to the Digium commercial version of it, but it's still Asterix Now. It's a beautiful product. Would it be accurate to say that Asterix is the underpinning engine that powers it, and free PBX is like a web UI that is yeah. laid over Asterix? Exactly. And Asterix Now is the appliance version that takes the free PBX uh, user interface and stacks it over the Asterix underpinning. That- it's it's fair to say that it's actually the the free the Asterix now is actually a fork of free PBX a, way, a long long time ago. Oh, I see. Um, okay. And if you actually look at it, when you install free PBX or Asterix now, it tells you which version of Asterix you're getting with it. Gotcha. Because there's like a 11, 13, 14, whatever, and each version has you know new versions of how they manage SIP and new feature sets and and Asterix like for example, our we actually have an Asterix PBX that runs our office mm-hmm. and. Um, it's all command line. I don't even have a web interface for it. Oh, I just, really? It just for me. I I started with Asterix when it first came out. Yes. I, I've been running Asterix for well, my daughter was born the year I started running. It's so twelve years. And wow. when you think about it, you know, Asterix has matured so much. We we actually we actually did a faxing solution on an Asterix when I first started. That's how we got into Asterix mm-hmm. and being able to send and receive faxes through it. And it did that well with Span DSP and uh, this T thirty R T thirty eight modem connector. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, that's how we got our start in. And all these features, like right now, with Asterix Now, Free PBX, 3CX, you don't even need a fax machine anymore. And I know it sounds weird. I get a lot of medical guys, guys that run doctor's offices. Oh, yeah. still need fax oh, God, yeah. lawyer's offices. Yes, yes. I was just going to say, so we're dealing with a law office right now. And it's been, man, I tell you what, everyone thinks, and I, uh, even, even, even me, it, with, with, as many times as I have been through this, and I sit down in an initial consultation, they're like, yeah, we got a fax machine. I'm like, no problem. We'll put an ATA, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, sign a SIP extension. We'll be great. Turns out almost never works reliably. Like, I mean, it kind of does, but it kind of does. I just And the, the problem is, like, you start to go look for information, and the reality is, like, the people that are really, really smart have zero interest in working on facts because it is, yeah. it is, it is such a dying or dead technology that we're, yes. like, dragging into 2017. It's ridiculous. All right, guys, uh, 855-450-NOAA, 855-450-6624. Uh, we got a couple other interesting things coming up this hour. We're going to talk about other things other than phones, but it just this is the, this is the guy to ask about phone stuff. So we want to get this content to you and if you guys have questions either in the chat room or again live at asknoahshow.com or on the phone 855-450-6624 so tell me this you you spoke a little bit about uh, g729 kodak so let's start with this so if somebody isn't aware the original kodak the the phone uh well i guess we got to back up a little further <clears throat> the human voice can 
it, 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 the, the human ear, rather, can receive frequencies from 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. Or yep. if, we, if we abbreviate that, then we would say 20 kilohertz. Yep. Uh, that's, the, that's the range that, that he, the human ear can hear. And of course, it's not an exact science that people are different. So it's, you know, there, there's going to be some people that are going to be a little bit on the high side or the low side of that. Some people are going to be, you know, drastically less than that. But that's, that's the average. Um, and when you're talking about a, a, a traditional phone line. Pick up a phone. You call a phone line. You're talking about a six. Is it 16 kilohertz? Eight, it's eight kilohertz. Eight kilohertz. So we're talking about an eight kilohertz uh, span of 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 frequency that that and which does not really reproduce uh, no. the human ear by any stretch of the imagination. But it's good enough for cl- uh, clear voice communication. Yep. I can say, I can understand what you're saying. You can understand what I'm saying. Um, and so the representation of that is the is it G dot seven eleven? Is that right? It's actually U-Law. So, oh, okay. so, so U-Law and A-Law, and there's there's different standards depending on what country you are, but that standard is represented by a U-Law or A-Law, so G711 or G7, G711A or G711U. Okay. And um, and so if you're in Europe, it's going to be A. If you're in, in the U.S. and Canada, it's going to be U. Gotcha. But they're so, both 8 kilohertz? They're both 8 kilohertz, 64K um, of uh, bandwidth. Oh, okay. So um, you have the 64 kilohertz line, so... And it works out to be about 86 kilohertz of, of bandwidth utilization when you're actually sitting down and looking at how much bandwidth you're going to utilize, you know, just 86K. Just put that into your math equation. So as we moved into the Internet and VoIP and all that stuff, the new standard is this G.722. That's the, that's, the, that's the next one that we went to, right? Which is G722, it never, I mean, it's, it's there. People use it, but it never really took off. It's one of those, it's one of those codecs that it's, it's, it's like the mythical unicorn. You, know, you can run like six, 16K of bandwidth. It's like this beautiful codec that, you know, lossless sampling, and it never worked out the way. It always sounds tinny. It always has this yeah. real rough sound to it. And you're like, right. wow, I can tell that's a bad sound. Yeah, sure. You're on a terrible SIP call. <laughs> so, and then we went to G729, and that, that's what you were talking about. Yes. This, this, is, this is the codec that's preferred for VoIP systems? You know, I... No, actually, in fact, I say most people stay with U-Law. G seven twenty nine was actually um, up until just recently. It was it was completely uh, it had a patent on it, so you had to pay pay for the patent. Mm-hmm. Now, the patent expired, but you still have to pay for the the codec because it's it's a licensed codec. No one really has an open source codec out there. So G seven twenty nine was always paid for, so people didn't use it. But it also does desample. It does reduce the quality of the call because you're actually not getting the entire live. You're not getting eight kilohertz of voice across your call. You get samples, and it, you can tell that it's a G729 call. And you can't fax across, across it, and that's why there's things like T38 that come into play. Um, but GC, G729 will run at 32 kilohertz, and the and so when you really start down, start thinking about this, is that um, when you're cutting your bandwidth in almost a third of what you would be doing with ULaw. Mm-hmm. In the end, it, it's definitely worth it. And there there are also different variances of G729. So sometimes people have some codec mismatch issues and quality issues. So a lot of right. times people will steer away from G729 unless they know for sure and we have a conversation with them. We have a lot of customers that do it, but most of those customers are people like in Mexico or oh, okay. in sure. overseas where bandwidth is a premium. Mm-hmm. Here in the States, if you get a 100 meg connection, I mean, if you think about it, you can run on a 100 meg connection. You can run, oh... A thousand calls, sure. So yeah. I mean, yeah. why you know, of U law. So yeah, and and that's that's respectably. And where if you have the bandwidth, most people want to run U law because you get the best quality of a call. That makes sense. You know, and the, so the interesting thing that I have seen in the in the broadcast industry, um, the broadcast industry has stayed real 
has stayed very tight with uh, 722 because they, they call it HD voice, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so that if you hear it like a sports broadcast or something like that, chances are if it's so the ISDN stuff, a lot of that is running over G722. Uh, the latest thing that I've seen, we we're talking about this a little bit before the show. The latest thing in the Kodak world in the IP audio world is Opus. Yeah. And Opus and 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 it's and and it's it's partner WebRTC, which is if you're not familiar with it, is basically embedding a uh, a, a an audio system, an audio codec system into the Chrome browser. Yep. Um, and so, and that has exploded all over the place, both in telecom and in broadcast. Yeah, and, and Opus is one of these beautiful, beautiful codecs where you know it's it's I think it's running about 120. So it's it's once again it's much larger than ULA as far as the amount of bandwidth that you're consuming. But you you can mess with things in it, so you can actually change that sampling rate down, and so you can reduce it down to the same size of of ULAW. Um, you can also mess with the, the size of the packets. So, the the typical size of a packet in G711 is 20 millisecond samplings. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's breaking that in 20 millisecond packets. But with Opus, you can take take that down to 10 mill to 10 yeah. milliseconds. And so now that you're not getting any delay. You're getting many more packets sent, and so the reass- so if you do miss a packet, you're not missing 20 milliseconds. You're only missing 10 milliseconds. So yes, it's, it's a much cleaner way of doing it. The, the my biggest complaint with Opus is that there's no way to get that to the TDM. So if you're calling someone on a cell phone, yeah. most likely a cell phone's using a GSM codec, or they're using a yes. uh, 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 a CDMA, mm-hmm. and you're you're not going to get Opus through that. You're not going to get Opus to your grandma's phone at their, at their house, and you're not going to get yeah. Opus to go to somebody's PBX unless their PBX supports it and the carrier mm-hmm. supports it and you support it. And once again, that's the mythical unicorn. So it's going to be translated at some point <laughs> yeah. to U-Law or D729. You know, I, I will tell you, though, I have seen a little bit of, of progress on that front. I, uh, I was, I was uh, hanging out with a good friend of mine, and he, uh, him and his wife just got new T-Mobile phones. And T-Mobile has I, – I don't know exactly what the codec is that they're using, but it's some sort of like extremely uh, high-fidelity audio codec that they're using. And if you call a T-Mobile customer to a T-Mobile customer and you both, you're both of your phones support this thing, it, the call, instead of going over the telephone network, goes over the data network. Yeah. And it does use that higher codec. And, and that's great. <laughs> and, and, and so anyway, where I'm going with that is – what you're looking at is you see Google, which is you might have heard of them. They're kind of a they're kind of a big deal. They have integrated Opus as their chosen codec. Which, by the way, if somebody doesn't know, Opus is the evolution of the Silk codec, which was originally in Skype. So anyone that says like Skype really sounds great, if you thought Skype sounded great, Opus is the refined version of that of that that Silk codec. Google has integrated Opus into the Chrome browser, and now you're seeing all of these. Like I said, I was talking to. There's a, a broadcast manufacturer that makes a box that we can actually take calls on the air. Opus calls through WebRTC. Companies are looking at this and are saying, "Okay, Opus is just kind of a good go-to open standard that we don't have to pay any licensing fees. That sounds really, really good." And oh, by the way, Google, that tiny little company in California, they back it. Um, and so, as you see that kind of stuff take off, then you start to see things like 3CX say, "Okay." Well, we're going to integrate. Oh, I'm sure the the uh, the WebRTC thing that's using yep. Opus too, right? Yep. So all of that stuff is is kind of centering on Opus. Obviously, Mumble is using Opus. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing Discord, which seems to be the latest rate. Yes, they're it all, is. yeah, they're all they're all using. Everything seems to be going to Opus. So it's it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, to to kind of watch that. Last question for you about phones. What do you recommend for an Android app if you're not like so? I guess I should back up with the 3C. Actually, said you know they have an iOS app, an Android app, that kind of thing. Um, 
but it, at the end of the day, it's just a SIP server. So I can always mm-hmm. just create a SIP extension and use any SIP client, right? Including the built-in Android one. Yep. Do you have a recommendation for people who are on Linux or people who are on Android or people who are on iOS? So for Linux, I, I, I very rarely recommend a SIP client. If you find one that works with your flavor of Linux, use it. And, okay. and sure. just go out and search. Because honestly, there, there's a few out there, and some of them work well on on Ubuntu and some of them work well on CentOS and Fedora and I don't know why but they're not consistent and um, but for as far as your um, uh, as far as like Android and iPhone uh, CounterPath it's a paid for it's a it's a paid for solution but you're going to get the best quality out of it CounterPath makes a solution um, and uh, I'm trying to name, name blank on the actual program's name turn my phone off so I don't have it but they uh, um, they have a client that installs and works with any SIP client, and it has some auto-provisioning stuff so carriers can auto-provision with you if you want to, and it works absolutely great. And once again, if you buy a 3CX, they have their own client for iPhone and Android. Right, yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. But if you buy a um, – uh, uh, or if you download and install Open um, uh, Asterisk Now or a FreePBX, then you can use this CounterPath client, and it's it, it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful client. So um, – and in fact, we we have it installed. I have my phone turned off so it won't ring. Um, but uh, that's what we use when we're at home. You know, we just go in our Wi-Fi, turn it on, it registers back to our PBX, and you know, we don't have to worry about communicating. And we and we've actually decided. And here's another conversation that you have with people: is securing your phones. Yes, you, you right. Know, yeah, good. Just yes. because you have something on your your cell phone, your own Wi-Fi. Yeah. Anyone who we were just saying that, hey, I could you know put that hub on the on this be yes. in line listen. You can actually listen to the phone call in real sure. time. So. There are tools out there to do that. Well, that means that open source Linux tool is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we're working on features like TLS and uh, SRTP, and those things are all things that are coming in for being able to sell to people. But one of the things that I always recommend is that if you have something like um, PFSense and you can use uh, OpenVPN and you can use the Android or iPhone client with yeah. with the uh, Bria was the name mm-hmm. of the client. Oh, okay. Bria is by CounterPath. Um, you use the Bria client. You can actually. Um, completely encrypt your call internally so it's not going over the public internet and you don't have to worry about anyone listening in and those are the kind of feature sets that you know when you're designing out a network you have to know that you know sip was was not a secure protocol it was assuming right. the network you were running on was secure yes and now and, they have and really it's just it's just a signaling thing yeah. anyway you know yeah but the media is unencrypted as well. Mm-hmm. So you can actually listen into calls. So that's why SRTP or encrypted tunnels um, are very important when you're if you're trying to um, trying to protect your network. And you know, we help people, you know, do that all the time. How how do we encrypt your communications? How do we make it so people can't listen in on calls? So there's a lot of that that goes into the questions for especially for integrators is how do I protect my network? And three right. CX Asterix now and free PBX all have solutions that we can work with you to get that done on. So would you recommend somebody throw something like free PBX or three CX or, or Asterix now or whatever onto like a, uh, like a, you know, digital ocean's a little more difficult because you'd have to install it from scratch, but like uh, Voltaire, for example, you can just upload an ISO yeah. and install it. Would you recommend somebody do that? You know, I, 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 if you, if you're confident that you can work with IP tables and you're confident that you can secure your network through, you know, creating the proper tunneling and stuff like that to that image, and absolutely, yes. So as long as you, you trust the Linux firewall to yeah. block everything else out, and then just maybe only this IP can actually access the web interface or something right. like that. Right, and, and a lot of that, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is, I mean, there's new firewalls are out. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I've been running IP tables, IP chains for a very long time. Sure. So I'm not going to switch. But yeah. um, 
if you are confident with IP tables and you're confident with your skills in Linux, putting it up in the cloud is no problem. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that's probably safer than putting it behind a firewall because a firewall only secures to the firewall once they get in, right. it's wide open anyway. Yes. So, right. you know, if you know how to secure an IP tables and secure an IP tables, put it out in the public internet and rock and roll. Um, if if you're not confident in that, find someone who is and work with you. There's a ton mm-hmm. of people. I mean, I find people in the Jupiter community all the time sure. that I've actually hired to do things for me because, like, listen, I don't have time to do this. I know if I spent a month figuring it out, yes. you do this in a day right. and enjoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Show exactly. Me, tell me what you did so I, I can maybe manage it. Have you ever played with Zoiper? I have. I actually um, I have hit and miss with that. Zoiper, actually, we have a, um, a couple of clients that have hundreds of them installed. Okay. But Zoiper has that that apt problem. So every time you do an apt update, it might break your Zoiper client. Yeah. And if you're trying to rely on that as your voice solutions, um, and you don't have a hard phone, we have hard phones for all our entire office. Yeah. It's same, same. It, and, and I have a hard phone at home and I have one that's in a small little Pelican case that sits in my work truck exactly. so that if I'm in a, if I have to be on a three hour call, I just take that little phone, I plug it in, it, it plugs in and then I can transfer it from my cell phone to the thing. And I have an actual speakerphone and all that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I put a YouTube video up a while ago about how to do real telecom. And when I travel, I have a 4G modem yes. with a with a uh, converter to Ethernet that goes into yep. my little NetGate yep. SU30 or whatever that little box is mm-hmm. so that I can VPN back in. And then I have a hard phone that plugs into it over PoE. Yep. And guess what? I have my office on the road because yes. I don't. I need to be able to sound like I'm actually at the office yes. even when I'm not. And, and, and it always works. You just you take it out works. and you plug it in and it turns on. All right, let's go to the phones again, 855-450-NOAA. That's 855-450-6624. You can email us live at asknoahshow.com or live at Voxtel Sys, chatting with the expert about IP phones. Michael is calling from Alabama. Hey, Michael, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Do-do. Michael? Hello? Do we not have Michael? All right, Michael, I'm going to put you back on hold. I'm sorry about this. Uh, I Actually, I was kind of thinking, you know, uh, earlier on today, I was like, I wonder if there's not something up with our phone system because it uh, because we just have there, – there were so few calls in the in the call queue as, as compared to what it usually is. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I – sometimes if I disconnect uh, and reconnect, sometimes that will help, uh, especially if there's an you know, audio issue. So I'm going to see here if I can do this. Uh, let's see here. You know, it's interesting that t- tonight of all nights would be the night that I have trouble with phones, right? Like, that's kind of funny. Uh, let's see here. Do, do, do. I'll click on that. Let's see if that works. Do, do, do. And let's see. I, I don't know. That's, that doesn't seem to be working. I, do, I don't know what's going on. And I'm not at the studio, so I actually can't, uh, I can't troubleshoot. So I'm sorry about that, guys. Um, Let's uh, so anyway so we'll go back here. That's okay. There's not a good thing. There wasn't a lot of calls today, huh? That's that's a good thing. I I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about this System seventy six post. System seventy six, a company who is known for making Linux computer, released a post uh, a couple days ago, um, and basically it says why System seventy six is making Pop OS. Uh, it says Unity's end. We were shocked. The development of a product we've shipped since two thousand eleven would cease. Unity was no more. Ironically, we had a meeting with Canonical Cloud Team that day. In short order, the meeting, 91% of our business was affected, and we had work to do. 
There was some relief. Most System76 employees were using a different desktop environment anyway. Just keeping my team excited about Unity had become hard for a while. We're technologists, and we felt Ubuntu's drift. I agreed with Canonical's strategy of maintaining Unity 7 while they developed Unity 8 separately, but time dragged on, and we were stuck between waiting for a new product, which sounded like it was constantly around the corner, and investing in Unity 7. That was on its way out. There was no good decisions. Just hold the line. That's not comfortable for an ambitious company. Now with Unity cancelled, the world is wide open again. I spun up distros. Uh... And then uh, then he goes on to say the business. In hindsight, we should have known. Like everyone, I wanted the Ubuntu desktop to stand up econ- economically on its own. It's only a matter of time before the company must align with what its investments, uh, with its paying customers are, and that wasn't the desktop for Canonical. But it is for System76. The desktop is what we work on every day. We survey and listen to our customers. We know them well. Our engineering, marketing, sales, and support teams are already aligned to offer a Linux desktop. I started thinking that Canonical can focus on the enterprise where they excel, and we'll focus on the desktop where we excel. And our direction was taking shape. I want to stop there for a second, and I want to uh, break this down a little bit. So first of all, um, I have I, I, I question some of this from the standpoint of I have spoken with Canonical employees directly. In fact, I've spoken with one particular Canonical employee that uh, that that has a meeting with Mark Shuttleworth regularly uh, on the direction of canonical the direction of desktop linux and i can tell you unequivocally that this concept that ubuntu is no longer uh worried or or, or no longer is focusing on the desktop is false and that's a false premise and so we're we are proceeding from a false premise to begin with um as far as uh, you know why that you know that they were shocked. They were shocked. I'm sure they were. In fact, I was sitting in a room with Dell. We were talking about this. And Michael, Mike, and I were talking about this before the program. Uh, Dell was shocked. Canonical. Uh, I think they. I think they screwed up. I think that they really missed uh, missed an opportunity to reach out to their hardware partners, Dell, System76, uh, Lenovo, to a far lesser extent, but anyone that is making money shipping products with Linux on them. I think they missed an opportunity to reach out to them and say, hey. We're going to be making an announcement, and in the next month, in the next two months, this is what's going to happen, and so you should be prepared to understand that we still care about the Linux desktop. We are actually going to focus harder now more than ever because we're dropping all the phone stuff and the TV stuff and all that stuff. We're just going to focus on the desktop, Um, but this is the direction that we're going because we think that this best suits users, and we have a plan in place to make sure that desktop Linux are served. I think that would have gone a long, long way. Um. So then the article goes on to say, closer to, we're getting closer to pop. We have a fundamental belief that the computer and the operating system are the most powerful and versatile tools ever created. The desktop operating system has moved too far forward from the casual user. Every deliberation is planted on those guiding ideas. I just observed, while Canonical announced the end of Unity, Ubuntu GNOME received the most attention from the team. We figured that it's essentially the future of Ubuntu, and we better get to know our new product. GNOME stood out. There was an abundance of technology and thoughtful workflow with the extension framework that we saw the potential to shape a desktop to our customers' needs, and we liked GNOME. So here again, I have, I'm, I, I, I guess I'm just asking questions. Why, if they agree with the concept of moving to GNOME, are they concerned with the, the direction that's, that Canonical is taking Ubuntu? And if they don't like the direction that Canonical is taking Ubuntu and they don't because they don't actually think that GNOME is a great desktop, then why not try to uh, 
salvage or continue to develop Unity because Unity Eight, you know, they were they're, I mean, you started out the post talking about how it's always directly around the corner. They're they're waiting for it to to actually finish, and they have a development team, and they're very talented developers. They're very very. System 76 employees, the System 76, the company, are some of the most passionate, knowledgeable people I've ever met. Uh, and it's, it, it's, it is awe-inspiring to be in their presence, to be inside of their company, and to watch, uh, you know, the, 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 the camaraderie and, and the, the teamwork that goes on. I mean, they're, they're fantastic people. Um, but I'm, I, I honestly, I question why, if they have this, why, if, if this is a problem, like, why are they going this direction? So anyway, so then, and then they talk about how, um, you know that they are they are releasing the beta and they want you to download it and take a look at and see what you think and i guess here is my question what does pop os do that ubuntu proper isn't doing what's your thoughts um well I, i'm going to come at this from an owner of a system 76 servo yeah I, yeah i had it for years and it's the best laptop i've ever owned and mm-hmm. i'm pretty partial to it um it's actually a desktop. It's, sure. it's actually just a laptop in a desktop form. Mm-hmm. But I installed Pop! OS because I was running KDE Neon, and there was an update that was pushed out that just nuked my um, NVIDIA settings and blocked me from reinstalling it because I couldn't reinstall in Neon because, well, anyways, it was a frustrating thing. They're both running in Ubuntu. Pop! OS installed and worked immediately. Mm-hmm. It's just GNOME. But, you know, I, so... As a business owner, mm-hmm. I hate what Conical did mm-hmm. because we had six developers that had to change their environments oh, yeah. because it's going away. Mm-hmm. Unity's going away. Yeah, yeah. I was running Unity in a, a proponent of Unity up until they made the announcement, and that's when I started yep. looking. Okay, I'm gonna go back to KDE Neon, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna go back to KDE, or I'm gonna go try these things. Mm-hmm. I've been running Unity since it first came out, since GNOME made the mistake when they made their mistake originally, and then Ubuntu said we're doing Unity. That was a wonderful time that really sucked for everybody. Yeah, oh yeah. And I feel like we're kind of headed back into that. And and Ubuntu's announcement of not doing Unity in the way they did kind of just, instead of making it a, hey, this is what we're doing and why. We've already worked with the vendors. We're supporting everything. You guys don't need to worry about it. Now the vendors are all out there looking for replacements. And so people are like, I'm going to switch to Debian and run XFE. Uh, Great. You know, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But having System76 support something, so when a developer is having a problem with Linux, because that wasn't their native OS that they learned right. in, they yes. gave me their Mac or Windows, but we switched them to Ubuntu so that they could do development the way we want them to. When they have a problem, they call System76 and say, hey, I'm having a problem with this laptop that's running your OS. Can you help me fix it? Mm-hmm. Guess what? Now it's Pop! OS, so it's System76 problem. And I look at Ubuntu this way. If Ubuntu was worried about the desktop being so perfect, they, they, they've supported so many desktops. I mean, look, I mean yes. Mate. I mean, I yeah, ran yeah. Mate, Mate for a while because I mm-hmm. thought it was, it was, it was decent. I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm on Pop! OS because that's what my laptop vendor is doing. But yes, I'm still running right. Neon on one of my laptops, and my desktop's still running Neon. I mm-hmm. have Mate running on another desktop. Mm-hmm. So... I'm okay with many, many OSs, but as a business owner, sure, I want to know that the that what I have installed has a forum that I can go get support on. Oh, like yeah. Unity did. Unity, if you had a problem with Unity, you just go to to Ubuntu and search in your problem, and guess what? They're going to have a bunch of smart yep. people working on the problem. Mm-hmm. Now that's still there, but it's for Unity. So and, what happens? And, and you get the and you have, you have the phone number to call in and just call System76 and say I have a problem. Yeah. And I and I agree with all that 100. percent But couldn't they have done that with uh, Ubuntu proper now? 
Couldn't they have just layered that that uh, that support like they have done in the past on? Because the, the reality is, like Pop OS and Ubuntu proper haven't. I mean, they're using. I mean, I guess Canonical has made some extension changes and stuff. So I suppose to that extent, there there probably be some differences. But I, I still feel like. Uh, System76 could have been the company that just supported Ubuntu, the, uh, continued to support Ubuntu. Yeah, but I, I'm actually kind of glad for Pop! OS because uh-huh. I'm, I'm hoping that System76 kind of gets rid of some of the foolishness that happens in the GNOME community. Mm. I mean, because GNOME will just just nuke and pay stuff all the sure. time just because their group of developers are like, we want the freedom of whatever. And so yeah. they come up with this philosophical decision to pull something out or change something or make a fundamental change to how GNOME works. And it breaks a bunch of other stuff that maybe tools that my developers were using. Yeah. And now if I have Pop! OS, I'm pretty sure these guys are going to take the effort to say, hey, listen, this is GNOME the best that we can keep it, but we're going to keep it good for you as developers because that's – not every developer that works on Linux actually is really cares how Linux works. Yeah. What they care about is that they have a desktop environment that they can write their Python or Rails or work on whatever they're working without the OS getting in their way. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's where Unity's change. Everyone was running Unity and my, every one of my developers was running Unity. Mm-hmm. And then Unity says, "We're going away. We're moving to GNOME." So we just as people were reinstalling OS, they moved to GNOME. And then when the main developer switched, everyone switched. Yeah. Because when you're trying to tell someone how to go do something, right. Unity and GNOME don't oh, yeah. oh, of work course not. the same at all. No, no, not even close. And, 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 and we see that, you know, because we have hundreds, of, if not thousands, of Unity machines in production. And, and, and so I'm dealing on, with this on a whole separate way. But here's, here is, a, here is, a, here is a, a thought experiment. So you have System76, and they are undisputedly masters at providing support and uh, integration at a human level to to their customers, right? Like, I don't think anyone would, would ever argue yeah. that if you buy a computer from System76, you're going to be treated as a human being, and they're going to deliver a top-notch product with that's based in Linux, on Linux, from people who really, 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 really care about Linux more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think anyone would, would argue that. <clears throat> and then you have a lot of those people, that, well, everyone, actually, that is a System76 customer that's that's buying the computer because they want the support from System76. They're using uh, Ubuntu 16.04 probably at the moment with um, with Unity on it. And what we learned this week was that Canonical is shifting and they are going to uh, continue the development of Unity as we kind of all we all kind of expected that would happen. But they're going to continue it in such a way that it will be an option for 18.04, the next LTS that will be based on GNOME. They're going to still have support. If you want to install the Unity desktop. So now, so here, I will make a, a Redbook prediction right here that within one year, Ubuntu Unity will become a blessed flavor. So it will just take the place of Ubuntu GNOME. Ubuntu GNOME will be the desktop that installs by default. And then under that, you'll have Ubuntu Mate, you'll have Ubuntu Unity, you'll have Ubuntu KDE. All those will, will be right under that. Will they call it Ubuntu? <laughs> so, or, oh, ooh, ooh, the naming could be so cool. Ubuntu, which would, which would actually, it would, it would tick off a lot of the people that for years have been trying to say that's how the proper pronunciation of, of Ubuntu. I don't know if you've noticed, like I do this during the program, I'll, I'll switch my pronunciation of Ubuntu, uh, just to just make sure I, I equally irritate everyone. But uh, but no, so so I think that's going to become a blessed flavor. And so then that begs the question, now you have a void in the Linux community. Ubuntu Unity is going to continue. That much we know. I will tell you, my personal prediction is that it's going to continue as its own blessed flavor. So you have basically a, a, a distribution now that has no real spearhead. Like, 
Canonical is going to throw whatever resources they have at it, right? But ultimately, wouldn't it be really cool if you had a PC manufacturer that has been supporting Ubuntu with Unity since 2011 step up and say, okay, Pop! OS is going to be Ubuntu Unity. And maybe they theme it to, to match the System76 color theme, but it still has Unity. And then, and then what would happen, the, the culmination of that would be all of those people that really like Unity, and I'll put myself in that boat. In fact, as I do this episode right now, um, a really good friend of mine is uh, nuking and paving a bunch of his production systems and going back to Unity from the distro that he was on. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to throw him onto the bus or anything uh, because uh, I have a feeling he wants to talk about that himself. But 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 there are people that are doing that that really want to go back to Unity. And if if I knew that, and I think you kind of passively agreed with this already if ubuntu or if uh, system 76 made the promise that they were going to continue developing unity you might have never switched yeah because you did switch to pop os i mean and and so and i would have kept a lot of my computers on unity had there been an option to continue and i would have put a lot of my customers computer on unity if they were comfortable if they were comfortable in unity and i knew that it was the change was going to be problematic i would i would have just kept them there yeah. and that would have, they would have been on the system 76 distro if the customers didn't really care or i knew that they would be better served being on a known proper and one of the things that's going to hit me real hard is we have requirements from contract requirements from you know uh, government agencies and universities and stuff like that i don't get any say in that they just tell me uh you're going to run this particular distribution yeah. and 99 percent of the time if it's not a server running red hat it's ubuntu on the desktop und does have uh i think one desktop lab that they run uh red hat on for uh, like a Java class or something like that but mm-hmm. for the most part it's it's ubuntu with unity on on the desktop and when Ubuntu changes direction and says now the default desktop is GNOME, guess what? All of those guys are going GNOME regardless of what I think about it. Um, and so I, I would have ma- – that's what I would have done is I would have started making those changes over in the places I could to GNOME and I would have kept the people on Unity. So I think that there is – and I don't even necessarily know that the ship has sailed yet. I think that – I mean Mark just made this announcement a couple of days ago. I think there is still time for somebody if System76 I think is the, is the most suited, but if not System76, really anyone – to come in and make their mark and say, we're going to be the guys that saved Unity. So if you liked Unity, and there are people that like Unity, um, and I would argue that a lot of people that are, that are Linux guys, even people that buy System 70, I bought a lot of System 76 computers. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever once left the stock image on the computer. I just like to set things up my own way. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't necessarily always mean that I went away from Unity. Um, I do have one that I, I imaged myself. They have a, a really cool imaging server that you plug your laptop in and you can image. Uh, that my, I think it's my Galago. Uh, that I took to System76 and I imaged on their server. That one still runs a stock image just because I was I did it myself and I think it's cool. Um, but the rest of them, most of the time, I'm buying System76 hardware for the support and the fact that they're uh, you know a true Linux community member and I'm blowing it away and putting my own operating system on it. I wonder if that isn't a place that Canonical really could have filled in. No, they could have. I mean, or still could, really. But see, this is also why the Linux communica- community is like like certifiable. I mean, <laughs> honestly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. We're sitting here having this conversation about, you know, switching from Unity. Like, I just had my entire development team switch off Unity because there was no clear-cut plan when they made their announcement. They made their announcement, like, it was April or May? Yeah. Right? April. So, so they switched on – so for 17.4, they said, okay, we're going to upgrade to 17.4 because we need to do these tools. We had guys that were running – we had guys that were running on 14.4 LTS. And so they needed to upgrade to 16.04 or go to 17. And so that was that – was, we had to upgrade, and Unity wasn't supported. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
there was talk about it, but no one made any. I mean, they couldn't have done this in the background without airing it out in the world. They could have, they mm-hmm. could have done this back then, but they completely disrupt the market for six months. And now they're saying, hey, guess what? We're going to support Unity again. Yeah. And, and yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're absolutely here's right. Here's my frustration as yes. a user. I can go and install Unity, and I know how to talk someone through installing an open VPN client. Now I've learned how to do that in GNOME. I know how to do it in KDE because those are the environments that we now have to support. I can still do it in Unity, but if I have to relearn these simple steps of how to do something, because they're all a little bit different. They all have their caveats. When you sit sit down and have a conversation, I mean, you know, it's not like like BSD where – and I'm going to use this as an example. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yes. I mean, BSD, you install it, you get TrueOS or whatever they're, they're calling it now, mm-hmm. and that is your solution, and this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple thing to manage, and right. you know everyone knows the world. In, in Linux, I mean, you could be running GNOME on one of four flavors, mm-hmm. or five flavors, actually, I think now. And, you know, and Conoco stepped in the mix and says, we're going to do it better. We're mm-hmm. going to give you a long-term support. We're going to make this so that you as a business can Bet your dollars on us. Mm-hmm. And then they go pull this this like rookie that just makes me as a user feel kind of like, how am I support, supposed to support my business on that? Yeah, that's a great note to leave it on. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate having you on the program. Uh, all right, uh, guys, follow us on Twitter at Ask Noah Show. Make sure to check us online, AskNoahShow.com. We'll see you next week.